Welcome everybody into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. As always, with me, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. But Doug, uh, happy belated Thanksgiving and a happy and holiday to season to you. Yes. Uh, what's up? Week 12 is almost over. We're doing this right before the Bears-Vikings game. And it was a weird week of football. Really? A lot of stuff. Really odd. The the what you what'd you make of the, the Black Friday game? Are you in or out on that? <laughs> the, my favorite part of that was the Tim the Javon Holland's ninety nine yard uh, pick six Incredible. on the Tim Boyle Hill Mary at the end of the first <laughs> half. And the Jets effort on that return reminded you know those games where they have mascots against little kids and the mascots are just shredding the kids. Yes. That's what the Dol- the Dolphins looked like. The mascots and the Jets, not a lot of effort there. It was bad. The team that, that knew they were done. Our uh, our indefatigable producer Chris Corder hopefully can put up like a mascot just demolishing a little kid right here. Oh, fingers I'm, crossed! Fingers crossed! I'm really awesome. hoping for it. All right, let's so, let's. No, I, I like Black Friday. I you know I I think as we get further into the season, like you know, take all the really good games and just put them on different days and just you know stack it. There you go. Yeah, no no game scheduled at this point of the year, starting in week 12. And we'll just kind of pick a day to throw it on during the holiday season. Yeah, just do it. I'm in. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was in on the Black Friday game. I kind of liked having something to do on a day where you're not really doing a ton, at least in my house. So I may or may not want to sleep at one point, but I'm not going to confirm or deny. I'm going to call that matchup related. Let's, let's get to first down. Yes. It's a big discussion point on the internet, so I'm interested to get your take here, Doug. Who is your MVP at this point of the 2023 season? I want to see how the Cowboys keep this up, but it might be Dak Prescott right now, and that Mm. sounds a little nuts if you looked at his performance before their Week 7 bye, but it's what he's done since that I'm talking about, and it's something that we need to talk about more. Before the bye, Prescott had completed 132-190 passes for 1,333 yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions, and a pass rating of 91.0. Since the bye, Dak Prescott has completed 127 of 180 passes for 1,602 yards, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, and a pass rating of 124.8. His completion rate has risen from 69.5% to 70.6%, and that's especially impressive because he's been throwing and completing so many deep balls of late. Before the bye, he had attempted 19 passes of 20 or more air yards, completing eight for 194, two touchdowns, one interception, and a pass rating of 92.9. Since the bye, Prescott has completed 20 of his 33 deep throws for 565 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 144.3 on deep balls. Dang. When you're just about perfect on the game's toughest throws, you are indeed playing with house money. And he's doing all this in an offense run by Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer with one top receiver in C.D. Lamb. He doesn't have the playbook and the weapons other great quarterbacks have, although the Cowboys have gotten more expansive in their concepts of late. But he's playing as well as any quarterback in the league right now. If it continues against some tougher competition, they have the Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, and Lions before their get-well regular season finale against the Commanders, who they just demolished and got Jack Del Rio fired. If they go deep into the playoffs, Dak's going to be a discussion. And he might be comeback player of the year after his 236 interception season last year. So <laughs> Dak right now, he's you know it's kind of under the radar, but he's playing as well as anybody. Yeah, I, I had not, and this is, I think, speaks to why I think it's tough for Dak to to get in that conversation, because until I heard you talk about this, I 
wasn't even considering Dak in that discussion. Right. And I think it's because they had the primetime blowout loss to the 49ers early yep. in the season, week five. Uh, the couple weeks before that, they got they got housed uh, by the by the Cardinals. Just kind of got beat up by the yep. Cardinals. And then you have last season where he threw all the picks, and then you have his consistent you know shortcomings in the playoffs. And there's just kind of this negative aura around Dak, and that's tough to overcome in such a narrative driven award. Sure. But if the Cowboys win out, including a win over the Eagles in a couple of weeks, and wind up somehow winning that division and being the one or two seed it's going to be because Dak is playing like this. And at that point, I think you'll definitely see more, more uh, nationwide chatter for, for Dak as the MVP. So it's been like the Panthers and the giants, the commanders, and I get it. But if you isolate the plays and isolate what he's doing, those concepts, and I'm writing an article about it today. Yeah. um, You know, it's, he's right up there. I'm going to go with a non quarterback because I feel like highly probable that will happen. Yeah. Just, Jalen Hurts has been awesome and the Eagles are 10 and one and, and in large part because of his just kind of inevitability at the end of games. And I, I like I said, narratives and stuff that matters, but if a non quarterback is going to win it for the first time since 2012, this feels like a good year for it. And why not Tyreek Hill? I, I think not? he gets my vote right now. So he's leading mm-hmm. the NFL with 88 catches, 13, over 1300 receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns in 11 games. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great season and there are six more games to go. So mm-hmm. uh, PFF uh, pro football focus also has him as their highest graded receiver by a pretty wide margin. Uh, and there's just not a lot he's not capable of doing on the football field right now. There's not any real way to stop him. And when you look at all the reasons that that Dolphins offense is good, a lot of it centers around, well, defenses have to try and adjust to Tyreek Hill. And mm-hmm. even then it doesn't work. So um, right. If he winds up going for 2,000 plus receiving yards, which he's on track to do, and he gets in the 15 to 20 touchdown range, I think at the end of the year, assuming Miami is still kind of in that mix as a as a top three AFC seed, I I I, I might throw throw my vote to Tyree Kill, assuming the Eagles don't go 16 and one or something crazy like that. Yeah, with Hurts, I mean, and he could turn it on in the last six games, and I, I saw a different you know set of things uh, on Sunday with. Um, just how the, the run game and the pass game were integrated with the QB run game, which I hadn't, they had seemed kind of segmented before. I don't think Hertz had played his best football, mm-hmm. but you started to see like, okay, they're rolling, they're rolling. So if he plays like that the rest of the season, I think he's in there um, from the 30,000 foot level. And it's a bit of a simplistic trope. There are other factors to consider, but if, if you're talking about value, you look at what the chiefs offense has been since they made that trade mm-hmm. and what the dolphins offense has been since they made that trade. Um, Tyree Kill is kind of valuable. He's kind of important. Pretty good he's player. Pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. He might have a future in this business. Al Davis was right the whole time. It turns out. Yeah. I, at some point, just getting fast dudes was the move. He was just a little bit ahead of his time. Well, getting fast dudes who can run routes and catch That's, the ball. Right. That's a good kind point. of Al's later in Al's life. He he kind of missed the boat on that one. But yeah. you know, he had Cliff Branch, and you know he that was good. Yeah, put some legendary teams together for sure. Let's let's move to second down. Which team that's currently out of the playoff race is the NFL's most dangerous? Kyle, I'm going with the Texans of Houston. They hmm. are now 6-5 in the AFC's 8th seed after their 24-21 loss to the Jaguars on Sunday. But keep in mind, the Jags might be the AFC's best team right now. They're right up there. 
And these Texans spanked the Jags 37 to 17 in week three. And that was the game where a lot of us started thinking that CJ Stroud was like, uh, he's made us something different here. Yeah. This is not your, you know, your ordinary rookie. They're still putting things together on defense. And I hated D'Amico Ryan's decision to kicker Matt Amendola, a 58-yard game-tying attempt against Jacksonville when Amendola hadn't hit a 50-yarder since he was at Oklahoma State in 2017. And then they waved him on Monday, which is just brutal. But Ryan's is still deservedly in the Coach of the Year conversation. It's clear that everyone is bought into the program. And anytime you have Stroud firing guided missiles to Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, and Robert Woods, you have a team that can beat just about anyone if the circumstances are correct. I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team yet. I'm kind of putting that off until next year, but they're certainly headed in the right direction, and they've absolutely become one of those teams you do not want to play under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. The remaining schedule is pretty favorable as well. They have the Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, and Colts to finish the season. Playoff Stroud could be a reality in his rookie campaign, and I'm all the way here for that. And who would have thought this possible for a team that finished the 2022 season with a 313-1 record? It's all pretty yeah, there's going to be like podcasts and documentaries about how the Texans flip this around so quickly and teams are yeah. going to teams are going to look at them. And it <laughs> turns out hiring a good coach and getting a good quarterback can cover up a lot of flaws on a roster. Well, the funny part will be in the 2024 draft when everyone's looking for the next CJ Stroud because you know how that works. Yeah. Oh, we thought we have the next CJ Stroud. Like the guy is literally generational. He's, He's the best looking quarterback since Andrew Luck. Stop it. He's just a baller. Like he's really good yeah. at football. Hey, and yeah. and maybe sometimes when analyzing the draft and stuff, picking the guy who's good at accuracy and moving around is like the guy to pick. Well, know. we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about the guy that was taken before him. Very good. So yeah. I'm going to still rock with the Buffalo Bills, although you know I love the Houston Texans. But in a like a one game playoff scenario is just so tricky, and I'm not sure there's a team I'd rather bet on than Buffalo out of the teams not in the playoffs right now. So that's Houston, of course, Denver, and then I guess like Cincinnati uh, are in that mix. Denver's but, right up there. Yeah, Den- I almost picked Denver yeah, for this. Denver. <laughs> here they come. <laughs> just very quietly won five in a row. Um, yeah. So I'm just not, I'm not totally sold on Sean McDermott as a head coach and a defensive game planner, especially with the way that game against the Eagles ended in week Zero 12. Zero blitz against QB draw. Okay. Move I just, they, they just, a lot of times he just looked unprepared for what for what Philly was doing offensively. And then I'm not I'm definitely not sold that Josh Allen is capable of playing like mistake free football to help overcome, you know, some defensive lapses. So there's enough talent there though that make Allen and the Bills as dangerous as any team in, in a first round playoff matchup. They're just so capable of being the best team in the NFL on any given night. And that's not mm-hmm. something if you're the Jags or the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Dolphins that you would want, you don't want that smoke in the first round for sure. Yeah. So, um, and had Jake Elliott missed a 59 yard field goal in the rain and wind <laughs> at the end of that game yeah. to send it to overtime. I think the conversation about the bills is, is very different. So, um, yes, they're capable of laying an egg, but they're also capable of being the best team in the league. And that's the team I, I would bet on in a, if they sneak into the playoffs as a, as a six or seven seed in, it wouldn't shock me at all if if Buffalo made a run. Maybe Jake Elliott's the MVP. That was the best kick I've seen since Adam Vinatieri's kick in the uh, Tuck Rule game. It was unbelievable. Like, never a doubt that it was going in. I don't forget. I remember who it was. Somebody said on Twitter, he basically kicked a uh, a damp, uh, unfro- a damp thawed turkey 58 yards. <laughs> or 59 yards, and that's about what it was. 
Yeah, man. I was just super like, dude, Jake Elliott MVP votes. I'm actually here for it. Yeah. Let me uh, talk about it next about the, Bills, the only team that can consistently beat the Bills are the Bills. Yes. And I've seen a lot of that lately. And, the, you know, Josh Allen is playing as well as he can. And the problem is, well, you take away the, you know, the three plays and you look at the 60, they're just God amazing. Mm-hmm. Like no one else can do this stuff. Right. They have given Josh Allen absolutely no margin for error. That offense is not talented for the most part. Exactly. Uh, the defense is falling all over itself. So Josh Allen has no margin. You know, if he makes one mistake, one mistake, and you know the trap coverage thing to uh, the interception to Bradbury, and then when he threw the should have been a touchdown, Gabe Davis and, and Allen were on the you know, different pages on the option route. I mean, it's like two mistakes he made in the game, and that that decided it. And that because on defense they were making mistakes all over the place. Yep. So if they can shore it up for one game, I guess. But I'm just you know, I look at the other. You know, the Broncos aren't making mistakes like that. The Texans aren't making. The Colts aren't making mistakes. The Colts yeah. are like, hmm, gotta watch them too. And the teams above them, I think the Chiefs. You know, they can get rickrolled at times, but I think the Bills have such a wide variance right now. I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want to put any uh, shit all on them. Yeah. I think that's the thing is that in a first round playoff matchup, like I'm a hundred percent like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll bet on the bills. But if you're, if I'm needing them to win what four games in a row and play perfect oh, four no. games in a row, I'm out. No. I'm, just, I'm, I'm punting on that. That's that's too much of a high wire. And but if they like have to go to Jacksonville as a six seed and you know deal with that, I mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do that. All right, let's jump over to third down. If there's one player who could be traded from his current team, let's waive the the trade deadline. The NFL yeah. has an active mercy clause now, and they yeah, say, "Yeah, this hey, is a mercy rule. Get this guy out of here, please." <laughs> the NFL Get says, "Hey, we're as an act of mercy, we're going to let a." Team trade away a player to get him to a good team. Uh, who are you moving? Uh, Jesse Bates, safety. Jesse Bates, mm. third of the Falcons, deserves so much better than this. What team wouldn't like a top tier center field safety right now? Bates' 92 yard pick six against the Saints on Sunday in a 24 to 15 win was one of the most impressive defensive plays you'll see all season. Yeah. New Orleans had third and three from the Atlanta 12 yard line. The Falcons were in cover one. So Bates is all the, you know, he's, he's up there by himself. Derek Carr tried to throw a Texas and angle route. You know that because the Niners ran it all the time with Bill Walsh yep. uh, route to receiver Rashid Shahid. Bates was in center field and just on the other side of the end zone line, crashed down right at the snap. He had this red from jump. Derek Carr said after the game, yeah, Bates got me a few years ago when I was with the Raiders on the same play. I'm like, well, that perfectly that's defines top. Derek Carr. I, th- I was going to say that says a lot about base. It says a lot about car. So he crashes down every time he'd take the ball away, but he returned a 92 yard for, you know, touch touchdown was nice. Bates has been making those types of plays all season long. He picked off Bryce young twice on the same route in week one. Mm-hmm. He's just a really smart, and I'm not feeling sorry for him. The former Bengals star signed a four year, $64.02 million contract, 36 million guaranteed. He's one of the five highest paid safeties in the NFL, justifiably. So, but when your head coach and offensive shot caller is Arthur Smith, who defiantly doesn't want to call a normal offense and then gets all, this isn't fantasy football, get off my lawn. Blah. The talent around you on defense is iffy. Bates is 26 now. He might be pushing 30 before this team is truly among the elite. I'd love him to be like with the, like, give him to Steve Spagnolo. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh, give him to Sean Desai in Philadelphia. 
yeah. put him with Kevin Byard, see what that looks like. I think he'd be, we just talked about the Bills. I think he's a player that cures a lot of what ails the Bills defensively. Yeah. If but. they put him where he should be, if they don't, move him, if they don't move him to another place, when yeah. you know Jalen Hurts is doing a quarterback draw, I really like you. Will, uh, no, uh, look, okay, so I know he's almost thirty three, but dude, Khalil Mack still got it. Oh my and gosh, I, I need to get him out of L.A. So remember, like before the season, we all thought he was washed. I yeah, guess not. I did. There was all this talk that he was going to get cut and Niner fans are freaking out like, oh, the, should they go get... It's like, no, man, you're going to have to... Uh, like, I'm out on that idea. But, dude, he is playing so much better than the Chargers or Brandon Staley deserve. So he yeah. did everything he could. He, he beat Ronnie Stanley up. Yes. In that wow. He did everything he could Sunday night against, against the Ravens. Six tackles, a tackle for loss, two sacks, a pass breakup. Chargers still lost the game by 10. And Mac this season, 47 pressures. This is from PFF. 47 pressures, 12 sacks. Uh, the pressures are 13th in the league. The sacks are number, tied for number three in the NFL. They're also his most since posting 13 in 2018. So his most sacks in half a decade. Uh, Mac has four games this year. Yeah, Mac has four games this year with fewer than five pressures. And he deserves to be putting this late career surge on a team that's not just foundering in the basement of the AFC West. So get Khalil Mack to... Any anywhere, I don't mm-hmm. get into a playoff team and and let him cook for a playoff team. Well, PFF counts, and I, I appreciate this. They, PFF counts half sacks as entire sacks because yeah. they should be. Right. They have him at fourteen sacks, which is his most since twenty fifteen. Okay. And he has nine pressures against the Raiders in week four, and nine pressures against the Jets in week nine. Oh, you know why? Because I wrote this before the PFF stats from last night went in. Oh, I see. That's yeah, they, they come up like Monday afternoon. <laughs> That'll do it. All right. <laughs> but yeah, his season since his second season in 2015. Driving my point home. <laughs> Khalil Mack is awesome. Age, he's almost 33. That's that's a rare age for edge rushers to still have it. Yeah, man. What what a what a player. All yeah. right. I can't wait. This is I'm so excited for this. <laughs> you and I, knew I talked we about this. this. I knew we were gonna have the same thing for worst of the week. Yeah, I and, came up and we're both right. It was the worst. And the Panthers blessed me with something a little bit different so I could I could write about something else. But uh, yes. go ahead, Doug. What was the worst of the week for week twelve? Shotgun runs on fourth and one. I hate them. We need to outlaw these for the good of the NFL. On Thanksgiving Day, two teams tried these, and as usual, it didn't work. With four nineteen left in the Seattle Seahawks, thirty-one to thirteen loss to the 49ers. It seemed like it was a 50 to nothing game. How is it 31 to 13? Seattle made a decision to hand the ball to running back Zach Charbonnet on fourth and one on shotgun. Uh, and the play went nowhere, probably because he didn't block Nick Bosa. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, Pete Carroll said the day after the game, the they were trying to put the Niners, they're trying to get them to widen their front because they had to respect the pass. Okay, love you, Pete, but no. Uh, as for the Commanders in their forty-five Commanders in their forty-five to ten loss to the Cowboys, they tried a shotgun run in fourth and one with eight nineteen left in the third quarter, and that thing was dead in the water before it even got in the water. So I have uh, empirical statistical evidence, Kyle, yeah. for Sports Info Solutions through Week Eleven. NFL teams have run the ball in fourth and one out of shotgun twenty-seven times for sixty-eight yards, two touchdowns, and sixteen conversions to first down. Fourth and one runs from under center have been far more successful. 89 attempts for 233 yards, one touchdown, and 68 conversions to first down. So when you run fourth and one out of shotgun, you convert it to first down 16 of 27 times. 
if you run it uh, under center, it's 68 conversions and 89 attempts. Even when you take out the tush push numbers engendered by Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, seven fourth and one attempts from under center for 16 yards and all seven <laughs> conversions first down, the metrics tell a very clear tale. Stop being cute and let the Eagles show you the way. Stop. And then, of course, Arthur Smith uh, runs like a, a arp, like a, I don't know what it was. He had uh, two guys in the backfield and he had Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter just had a keeper on fourth and two on a pistol. And the whole thing just went and so Arthur Smith did not Arthur Smith does not read touchdown wire. I'm kind of hurt. They drafted Bijan Robinson. I don't know. With a top five pick. Top eight pick. I don't care about your fantasy football team. <sighs> Get off my lawn. The worst blah, of the blah, week. Blah. The worst of the week for me is the shotgun runs on fourth and one. It's the worst. It's the it's unbelievable that teams are still doing this in 2023. You were 39 years shy of the Jetsons. The Jetsons took place in 2062, and we've still got teams lining up in the shotgun to get a yard. Just logically, why are you backing away from the line of scrimmage? You watch the Eagles every week, get as compact as possible and as close to the line as possible, and then you take that mass of bodies and you push everything forward for your one yard. Under one of the guards over, hurts in the middle. It, It bang, bang every time, right? And then Automatic. you get teams that are still like, what if we spread it out? Like, no, stop. You yeah. don't need to do it that way. Anyways, brutal. Uh, yeah. So for the sake of talking about something else, uh, Panthers owner David Tepper is my worst of the week. Mm-hmm. So Frank Reich is out as the Panthers head coach after 11 games. He went one in 10. Yeah. So they botched the Bryce Young pick right away by just bringing in an undersized quarterback uh, and then putting him behind a bad offensive line with no dynamic offensive weapons at the skill positions. Uh, they've now canned Bryce Young's first head coach, uh, mm-hmm. which will force him to start over in a new offense next year while the team has no substantial assets to make the team better around him this offseason. Mm-hmm. Tepper clearly wants to win, and I admire that quality in an owner because there's not a lot of things worse than an apathetic owner. Trust me, I'm an Oakland A's fan. Having an owner that wants to win... Is, well, I used to be a Seattle Mariners fan, so I get you there. That, right on. You feel me. But oh, yeah. the worst quality an owner can have is that owner thinking that he has all the best ideas to get to the point of the team winning. Yeah. And it seems like that's where Tepper's at. He needs to hire a well-respected football person to run the show and then get out of the way. Like yeah. just get just j- remove himself from the equation and let his people delegate that football responsibility to the professionals, to the experts. Um, until he does that, the Panthers are likely to continue whatever disastrous path they're on. And there's no real uh, reason to believe they're going to trend the right way. So David Tepper is my worst of the week and he will continue to be there until uh, he figures out how to be an NFL owner in the, in a way that's going to help his team be successful. Yeah. Since 2019, Tepper has now mid season fired Ron Rivera, Matt rule and Frank Reich. And, I, I I should look this up. Like, has any head coach ever had two worse team owners to start than Jim Irsay and David Tepper? Oh man, he need, Reich needs to take like a year off. Subs, I mean, it will it will be subsidized by the NFL because he's got two buyouts now from the Colts and the yeah. Panthers. Hello, he's got like sixty million bucks. Um, yeah, the Bryce Young thing. I want to circle back on that for a minute because I don't get it. Um, the offense he had at Alabama that worked for him was. It was a lot of quick, quick RPO stuff mm-hmm. and then some seven step or, you know, like shotgun three step, which is essentially seven step drop of like run around and figure it out. 
Now, to have that work, you need a really good offensive line and at least two dynamic weapons. You know how I know that, Kyle? Because that's exactly what Jalen Hurts does. (laughs) He has a great offensive line and a lot of dynamic weapons. (laughs) That's exactly what that's. Bryce Young would be best off in that kind of offense. But even then, he doesn't present the running threat that Jalen Hurts does because Jalen Hurts squats 600 pounds is the new, did you know that Antonio Gates played basketball or Jerome Bettis is from Detroit? 100%. Ryan Fitzpatrick Uh, went to Harvard. Yeah, exactly. So what were we doing here? And these reports that Tepper wanted Young and Reich wanted Stroud, I mean, at that point, and they had just hired him, and you don't let him shop for the groceries? Bad. I'm not, you know, I don't know. Cause it's like saying that, you know, what Kenny Pickett is with Matt Canada. You don't know. I don't know. Um, I know that they have no impact players. They have a couple of mm-hmm. good guys on defense. Their offensive line is abysmal and Iki Iquanu. I mean, I'm not ready to use the bust word yet, but when your rookie season is bad and your second season is worse, you're right. kind of in the, you're on the map. Yeah. Uh, we we can see you at the edge of our phone. Um, yeah. And who's going to want this? I mean, I, I, somebody was saying, well, Ben Johnson's from there. I'm like, dude, Ben Johnson is not going to drive that <laughs> leaky Yugo Bro. with three flat tires when you can pick and drive off the lot, whatever he wants. That's the Lions it. Yeah. See. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how That's they tough. fix this. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. It, Tepper's got to get out of his and this is a multi, multi, multi-year rebuild and it may ruin Brett. It may ruin young before he even has a, a chance to be good. The thing about uh, Stroud, yes, he elevates everything around him, but they had Laramie Tunsil. They had a good offensive line. They picked up some guys. We've talked about this, how well they built that team. Yeah. Not only this year, but in, you know, they, especially, you know, a lot of like underrated things they did to sort Mm -hmm. of put it together to be in the playoff discussion we just had. Mm-hmm. The Panthers haven't done anything. They're just like throwing it against the wall. Well, we got the best quarterback we think, so everything's fine. Right. And point, our left tackle is horrible, and Adam Thielen is our number one receiver. And what are we doing on defense? I don't know. That they no, that they still have Brian Burns on their roster, and they still have a guy like Jay-Z Horn on their roster when they could have moved both of them. And, and I get that they're young and maybe foundational pieces or whatever, but when you've already traded DJ Moore and your first round pick next year, you now have to do something drastic to specifically help the quarterback that you traded up to get. And- well, part of the problem is Steve Wilkes, who's now, of course, the Niners DC, did such a good job as the interim head coach after Matt really went six and six. So they mm-hmm. probably thought they were further along than they were. Yeah. Yeah. And That's they could have not- hired Steve Wilkes. <laughs> I can't blame Tepper for that because it happens. And, you know. Sure. Teams make mistakes. I can blame yeah. him for just about everything else, though, which yeah. is kind of the problem. 100%. All right, well, Doug, this has been a terrific episode. I really appreciate you, as always. Um, everybody, make sure to check out Four Down Territory each and every week, and we will see you next Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.